So this is episode 28, Everything Went Black Podcast Media. I'd like to thank everyone for their support. Um, getting a lot of good feedback from people, so thanks for listening. Also, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ. That, that's at MikeHillHQ. And the website is www.everythingwentblackmedia.com. So tonight... I have uh, Carson Daniel James, our former bass player from Tombs, who I haven't seen that much of him lately because uh, he hasn't been in the band for like almost um, a little bit over a year. It's been over a year, yeah. It was right before Christmas of, I guess, 2011? Yeah, so... Um, Turning 2012. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're going to catch up. I see Carson here and there, but uh, we haven't had a, a hang in a while. So, uh, so what have you been up to, man? Well... Oh, man, it seems like a, it seems like a million things and nothing, you know. Uh, when I left the band, one of my main focuses was getting a new job because I was I was living in this weird balance between you know wanting to go on tour with you guys and being able to put a lot of effort into doing that, but then coming home and hate my hate my life because of my job and having right. to be stuck at that place every day. I mean, you know how much that place sucks. Yeah. You know, it was like just a, a hole. It's gone, it's gone downhill since then. Yeah. I hear it's gone uh, far downhill since then. Yeah. And it just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel good about myself when I was there. I just felt really frustrated. I felt like, you know, my fucking core, I was dumping cortisol and it's like negative, negative energy and stuff like that. It was like affecting me in a, a variety of ways. Being at home, like I was sleeping and just frustration and stuff like that. So I ended up uh, getting into a new restaurant called Mile End. And they, you know, those guys were kind of at the front of um, this small, like, crafted, uh, everything done in-house via commissary that they have um, restaurant. It's like Quebec, Montreal, Jewish, like, deli food, like, kind of rethought. And uh, so I got in with those guys, and I started cooking there, and that was, that was really awesome. And then I started managing all their, their mobile events in the city, and... Uh, in, in Brooklyn mainly for Smorgasburg and uh, this thing called Madison Square Eats. So that was pretty fun. I got into doing that, and uh, I was I was really enjoying it. And then, God, this is just like a, trying to think of all the, the, the timeline, you know. I don't have to be in order, man, yeah. just what you went up to. Well, that, and then, you know, the hurricane hit. I lost my job with those guys. I went out to Nebraska and went hunting for a week with A.P. Schroeder. Oh, shit. I was bird hunting out there with him, and that was that was really awesome. Uh, I came back and I got a job with Mighty Quinn's as, uh, I guess, sous chef. Uh, it's like assistant uh, pit master, like assistant to the pit master and manager at the place. And that was really interesting to seeing how to open a restaurant from the ground floor, you know. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. Aside from that, we just did a little bit of traveling here and there. Um, you know, we went to this really great restaurant for our anniversary called Blue Hill at Stone Barns. It's on a functioning farm. 
that was like a pretty pretty big highlight for us. Trips to Maine, you know, just kind of normal, yeah, normal stuff really. I, guess. Well, that, I ran into you at the Mighty Quinn because um, like that, a couple weeks ago when I yeah. I met up with Gavin and uh, Kareem before uh, I did the podcast with Daria Albers, the uh, K1 European K1 kickboxing champ, and um, Gavin. Via, you know, we were trying to coordinate a, a meeting point, and he was like, you know, Mighty Quinn. So it's funny that he says it. that because he, uh, we joke about it at the gym, actually. I was He's in there all the time, I bet. He, I went in there one day to go to work, and uh, Hugh Mangum, the owner, was like, Oh, your friend Gavin's here. <laughs> and I was, at first, I was like, Gavin, who? And I was, just, I was just scouring my brain, like, who? And then I, and I was like, oh, Gavin, of course. And he's like, yeah, this is, you know, he's been in here a couple times. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm here every day. How could I have, how, how could I have not have seen him? And uh, he's been in there like, I don't know, eight times in the past ten days or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, he loves that place. It was his birthday yesterday and he came oh, in. Shit. So everyone, even like when I'm not there, the other guy, Andrew, uh, the head chef, and he's a cutter, meat cutter, he uh, threw him a bunch of like beef ribs and yeah, cause totally. he orders like 15 pounds of meat. Well, yeah, that was like when I'd never been there before and, uh, you know, we, we um, the time frame had been moving around because Daria... Is, had been in the city just for a few days and she was like training and you know there was a lot of coordination going on so our, our meet time got pushed back and um you know finally I walked into the place and Gavin had ordered this massive you know spread of slow cooked beef and fucking pork <laughs> yeah that was and, pretty uh, good man and, I, and then I saw you there and I had no idea you worked there I didn't expect to see you there yeah it was totally random that was yeah. great that uh, gave me a good little fucking like start to the day. Cool. I got to sit down with you guys and hang out for a bit. Yeah, he's bringing in a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of fighters and people. Yeah, works totally. With, I guess. Yeah, which is cool because you know we kind of I don't mind having a lot of those dudes in the red, like getting that you know to be a place for those kind of guys in the area. Totally. So that's pretty fun. Well, also the cool thing about now just kind of break down like that whole setup there because it's all like like you know grass fed meat. And yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's all uh, grass-fed beef, uh, organic, free-range chicken that we use. Um, the pork, we it's uh, Berkshire, Berkshire Black. Um, so it's all really high-quality, antibiotic-free meat and stuff like that. We get it in, we just we just give it a season, uh, dry rub, which is, you know, pretty common in that, that whole scene. And we smoke it for, uh, briskets go from 16 to 22 hours, uh, pork for like 14. And we're just basically cooking it with, with wooden smoke. You know, and, and heat from uh, oak, apple, and cherry. And I think we're one of the only barbecue restaurants in New York that does it that way. We got that big monstrous pit in the back that we got uh, oh, wow. special ordered from Mesquite, Texas, and Euler. So that's pretty cool. I've been doing a lot of research. I mean, I, I've always liked that kind of food. I, I just didn't know as much about it. And now that, you know, that was the kind of sort of the impetus for me to start reading, reading more and researching and, like, you know, learning about it in that way, which has been pretty fun. Yeah, it was pretty badass because, like, you know, Gavin, when we sat down, he was like, dig in. And I was like, I don't know, man. This is like, he's like, no, no, it's clean food, man. It's clean. Dig in. I'm like, all right. It was delicious. Yeah. You know? No, it's, it's good. You know, we were, like we were saying, we were talking earlier, it's like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I've really been wanting to work on too. I mean, you know, to go back uh, to what we were saying earlier, what I've been up to, I think the most important thing that I've, I've been up to is joining the gym, going to Bet's method, I think, is probably the biggest thing I've done for myself in years. Totally, yeah. You know, that's like one of the most, and it's just such a dominating part of my life now. Yeah, it's like a major four to five days, like every morning six thirty, like just really working on like different ways to supplementation, like post workout, like you know when Aaron comes, we'll talk about that too. But 
getting into like fasting before we train, right? Like, doing it, right? You know, drinking a black coffee, then going straight there and training, and then having a recovery meal, then resting, and then yeah. going to work. But that whole that whole world just opened up to me, man. It's like oh, stuff totally, I man. never. I mean, you guys were into that for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, we had we had um, you know, we had Larry on the on the podcast, yeah, uh, a podcast a few months too. ago, yeah. and that that's that style of training has been my bread and butter for years, and that's like um, you know, a little bit different than just going to a gym and doing curls. It's like functional training, which dovetails really nicely with doing martial arts and like other sort yeah. of fighting techniques and you know whatnot. And and even if you're not into fighting, it's like the perfect way to get good functional strength and keep your metabolism up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, we're doing, we're not doing it right now, but the plyometric stuff, like box jumps and, um, like agility and, and uh, yeah. like balance and stuff. This is going to sound terrible to say, but remember, remember when that guy got, uh, got axed out on the, on the subway, that guy pushed him on the oh, subway yeah. and there's mm -hmm. that photo. Yep. The first thing that went into my mind was, I feel like I probably could have jumped up on top of the platform. Oh yeah, that's like the first like practical thing sure. I thought to myself. I was like, "Shit, I probably could have maybe six months ago I wouldn't have been able to do that." But now yeah. I feel like I probably could have. I, we got a conversation with Aaron's mom, my mother-in-law, uh, Sharon. We were in Connecticut, and she was you know she was just curious about it. She's like, "So functional strength, like?" And she's like, "What exactly, Aaron, is explosive energy good for?" <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh. "Actually, jumping off of a uh, the bottom of a uh, subway." Jumping back up on the subway platform could be a functional strength thing. Yeah, yeah you know, definitely. Saving your life. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Larry, Larry's just like a super positive guy, man. So I met him like six years ago and um, when he was at Maxim. And, you know, just uh, as soon as meeting that guy, like, you know, all of his ideas about training and, you know, he noticed that I was training in a similar way that, you know, that sort of interval training with like yeah. biometrics and, and combining, you know, circuit training and whatnot. So we just started talking, and he gave me a lot of good pointers on things. And then we went away on, you know, that, that went on for like a year or two when he was at Maxim. Then we went, went off on tour, and I came back, and he was gone. And then the whole quality of the gym just, I felt, was like, started going downhill. It just started turning into like a, you know, the kind of place where a lot of the trainers didn't really have a lot of knowledge, and they weren't really, you know, into the same type of stuff I was into. And I noticed all the kettlebells were gone, and. I started reconfiguring the place and all this other stuff, hmm. and um, and then he opened up his spot, which is right around the corner from our practice space. It's a great place, man. I mean, I remember. I mean, you was you or Andrew? One of you guys got Aaron into it. You recommended that joint to her. It was me, actually. Yeah, yeah. And she, I remember she went for uh, like a one-on-one, -on -one, a couple yeah. of sessions like that, mm -hmm. and I think she started going to the the, the group classes. And uh, I, there was a point over the summertime. I think it was you know the end of August or something that. Mark Holmes was actually down visiting me from Montreal, and uh, we were down at the Rockaways. Just you know, he went surfing, and we went to this place called Rippers on the on the boardwalk, and had some food. It's like owned by the guys in the Meat Hook and Roberta's. Yeah. And our this dude Dom, friend of ours, is, was a manager there, so we just kind of hung out, and you know, they threw us a bunch of hot dogs and all that kind of shit. So I saw a photo of myself on Mark's blog, and I was like, "Dear God, I need to I need to turn the dial back a little bit, man." You know what I mean? I was just <laughs> like. Not feeling good at all. Like, not feeling good, and then seeing it, and I was just like, that's it. Something's got to fucking give. And I was like, Aaron, give me the info. I'm going to go to this joint. And when I got there, I remember being, like, kind of petrified. Yeah. Because I had never been to a place like that, and the garage door was up. Yeah. And uh, I sat outside, like, looking in. Like, mm -hmm. I, was, I didn't want to go in and just hang out. I sure, didn't man. do. And uh, they were doing the circuit, and yep. I was like, ugh. 
I was like, really? It was like just intimidating. Like some guy with like fucking tap out shorts, swinging battle ropes and shit. And I was like, damn. All right, let's do this. So then I went into beginner class and I fucking got destroyed. Yeah. After the one day, and I left, and I was like, man, I didn't know my body could fucking hurt like that. And then over time, I just you know, I, all of a sudden I was like, damn, I'm doing fucking elevated split squats with fucking you know fifty pound kettlebells and shit, just feeling really good. And you know, ever since then, it's just been this really awesome. It's just been like kind of tweaking it since then, like trying to figure out how to lean out a little bit more, yeah, totally. like how to gain more muscle. So it's been a really kind of fun, fun journey in that respect. You know, learning a lot about that stuff. And also, just you probably like neurologically feel better too, man. Like just emotionally. And oh yeah, I feel a lot more even. Yeah, I was actually feeling too. Since I changed my diet up, and I've been doing a lot, a lot of this, and really trying to focus on sleeping and stuff. I've been feeling kind of, I feel buzzed all the time. You know, I just kind of feel this, like, this buzz, this kind sure. of high. You know, it's really cool. And I just haven't, I haven't been really been drinking or anything. So, well, aside from right now, obviously. <laughs> drinking some Crispin, Crispin cider at the moment, actually. But, uh, yeah, so, I, it, you know, it's been, it's been really cool. And that's kind of leading into, Aaron and I are going to be doing a Tough Mudder in uh, the end of April down in Austin. Now, what's that all about? Like, get into that a little bit more. Uh, well, Something you know, might not know what that is. Tough Mudder, it's uh, those kind of extreme um, endurance obstacle events. It's not a race because you don't win. You don't necessarily you don't win anything. You're not racing against people. It's more of a like a, like a teamwork uh, sort of event. Um, this one, this particular one, was started by his name escapes me. This uh, this Eng- this this English fella. But the, the course is designed by British Special Forces, so okay. you'll have, like, you know, these, you'll, you're doing these, like, inclined monkey bars that are over, like, pools of freezing cold water, and you're going through, like, tunnels. Um, it's kind of got, it's, you know, it's got that, like, boot camp looking kind of vibe yeah. to it. It's 10 to 12 miles. Um, so, we're doing it mainly because we're, we're going to raise money for Wounded Warrior Project, uh, which tries to collect money and raise awareness for the public to what's going on with soldiers coming back from recurrent conflicts that, are, that have been injured and that are maybe slipped through the cracks of the government uh, system, the military system, the, the, the BF, uh, BF, BFW systems and all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to raise a bunch of money for that. I, I think they've raised like $5 million thus far. That's awesome. Doing quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I think i got like $140, $140 going right now. Cool. From a few people. Yeah, man. So we're... we're uh, you know, just coming from the, like, family background I have from the military and, you know, having friends that have been over there and things like that and just kind of dealing with my own, you know, desires to have joined the military and, and not having had done that by the age that I probably should have. Just trying to figure out a way to, like, do something that I feel like I can make a return, you know? Yeah. Kind of get back to it somehow. And I think that was, that was a really good way. And, you know... We can get together and do something like extremely physical together. We have a couple other friends that are going to go. We can go down to Austin, staying with uh, staying with uh, Champ, yeah. Champ Morgan down down there. It's going to be pretty fun. Morgan's been on the podcast too. Excellent. <laughs> That's another thing that we have in common. Yeah, <laughs> we're all we're all have all been on the podcast at this point. Yeah, so that should be cool, man. I mean, I've never really been down to Austin in a not show playing mode. Yeah, sometime I'd like to make it down there without having to like worry about going to load-ins and play sets and stuff like that. It'd be cool to just hang out in Austin because it's a cool town. Yeah, we're only going to be there for a couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I just might go out. There's a, um, there's a, there's a, I think it's called Hamilton Pool. It's over out by where, in the, in the hill country, or by where we're doing the, uh, doing the Tough Mudder. So I think we're going to go out there and just kind of hang, eat some food. Nice. Chill, you know. 
wrestle. I wouldn't wrestle with Morgan. Man. <laughs> no, I'd probably get. I could probably. That, no, I wouldn't get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, say that. Yeah, Morgan's Morgan's been doing that stuff for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so how's your? Uh, you're saying you tore your meniscus? Yeah, it's. Uh, you know, actually, the funny thing about it, it's. Uh, it wasn't like one specific thing. I think that caused the injury because I remember it started bothering me when I was on tour in October. And um, I noticed I'd wake up and I'd walk out to the van and I'd, my, my left knee would be like just uh, a little sore, you know what I mean? Not, nothing major. Yeah. And then when I came back from that tour, the tour, we um, I would wake one night, I woke up, my knee was like in excruciating pain. And I was like, something's definitely wrong. So I just kind of like stayed off of it. I didn't train. And then, you know, I started feeling better and I just jumped back into training again. And, um, Right around that time is when Sandy hit, so my jujitsu school was closed. Well, it wasn't closed, but that's a that's actually a story. Marcelo Garcia's academy, the place I'm training jujitsu at, um, in September, a pipe broke in his school above on the floor above, and it completely destroyed his space. So since um, can you get that, please? So since uh, that period he's been looking for a new place to put his academy. So we were temporarily training out in Chelsea Piers. And that was a hassle for a lot of people. Just there was less classes and it was kind of really far away. You know, there's no trains that go directly there. Yeah. And then I went, when I went on tour with that 16 tour we did, and then Hurricane Sandy hit and it destroyed that, the Chelsea Piers area. So then he moved to another temporary spot, which wow. is on the east side, and there was only two classes a day, so I couldn't, I didn't train jiu-jitsu at all for November or December. So your schedule's all, yeah. didn't jive. But, hey, but in the interim, I was just trained going to Muay Thai every day, so I was just trained kickboxing the whole time. When, when did you get into Muay Thai? Uh, probably about a year ago or so. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, um, so I just started going real head, real hard into that. And then everything was cool. New school opens up, go to jiu-jitsu like four days in a row, wake up one morning, and my left knee is just fucking swollen and fucked up, and just like, and, I, and that, that's like a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, so I've just been staying off of it. Ugh. Yeah, and it was, it's definitely the meniscus, and uh, I'm just trying to like recover from that, and then, you know, but it's, you know, I had all these goals set for myself, like, you know, the first, first to first of the year comes up, and, you know, New Year's, I wanted to make a list of goals, you know, and a lot of those goals had to do with training and just, you know, competition and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, so I was like super motivated to jump into the new year and being set back by an injury is like a real downer, you know, cause I feel like I'm like, damn, I was all like worked up to get into this stuff. And, but you know, the new schools open up and that's awesome. It's in a really convenient spot for me. It's on you know, 20, uh, 27th street right by the, um, where the whole foods is on seventh Avenue. Oh, you know, it's back to a full schedule and everything. And then there's on the 10th of February is the grand opening for the new school. And everyone's like real excited now too. But, but yeah, that's my, my knee, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get through it. Now we're joined by, uh, Aaron Sheehan, Carson's Hi. wife. How are Great. you? Good to see you guys. Yeah. So about Mike's meniscus, we were uh, talking about some training, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Do you have any idea how it happened? Or? Well, I was just saying, it's probably just constant abuse and just being old and, you know, a life of just destroying my, my limbs and shit, you know. Yeah. No, those things never go away. It's like, 
consistent issues that I have um, in training from gymnastics injuries from when I was like 14 years old to yeah. skiing injuries to my knee when I was in my late teens. It's like you're just constantly bathing it and trying to build it up, but not too much. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's there's surgeries you can have done to those things too, where they actually put a, a cadaver, like meniscus, and your yeah. your tissues build around it and stuff. So I, I don't know if I need to do that or not. I'm just hoping it goes away, man. I don't want to. I don't want any more time down because I got stuff coming up that I want to do. And uh, you know, yeah, I've never I've never really fucked myself up before. You know what I mean? Like I've never I got in a car accident once when I was like 17. But, you know, I kind of got, I got let out, like, later that day. It wasn't too bad. Like, I busted my ribs up a little bit. But aside from that, I've never, like, snapped an arm. Like, you know, I've seen to have so many friends who are like, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I fell oh, yeah. this fucking tree or I fell off my bike. And I snapped my arm or, like, my leg and there's a bone sticking out. That kind of shit. That's never happened to me. Yeah. I snapped my arm, my, my left forearm, actually, <sighs> in uh, wrestling. I, I can't even <laughs> imagine what, I can't even, like, fathom. Yeah, it put me, I was like. out the whole season. I had... Both bones, the, the radius and the ulna were both broken, and my arm was at a at a forty five degree angle. Oh, Jesus! And that was my freshman yes wrestling season shot, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know that that was one injury. Then like a couple years later, pole vaulting of all things, I broke my wrist yeah. and uh, broke my nose a couple times in like taekwondo. Uh, you know, you name it. You know what I mean? That's how I cracked my scapula in vaulting. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's consistent. It, I've had problems on the side, like, ever since. I'm not even a pole vaulter. It's like, I, I was, it was one of those <laughs> things. Like, say, I was like, yeah, let's do this, man. So I'm like, let's get down. And I just tried this thing out. First one, I did it. You know, I got over the bar. But, oh, this is fucking easy, man. Fucking go for another one, you know. And the next, I, I felt actually, the injury happened when I rolled off of the mat. And I put my arm out to break my fall. And that's when I, that's when I broke my wrist. You know, and then of course there's like just all the mi millions of like you know pulled muscles, hyperextended elbows, yeah. you know, black eyes, like you know. I had black eyes. I remember I threw my back out that time. It was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I was on the way to work and I fucking threw my back out, man. That was the worst. Yeah. I actually tweaked my back when I was at the meat hook uh, doing that internship there. Oh yeah. We were loading uh, the front quarter of cow like, off the back of this tractor trailer. So there would be one guy, this dude Brant would be up in the truck with these, uh, those, like, the meat hooks, the grappling hooks with the, um, had a little handle and the piece of metal came out with the sharp hook. And they would stand up, they'd get, they hook the meat up and they lift it and lower it on your shoulder. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, this will be a little easier if I just bear hug it. And when, no. you're go when you're going into the place, it used to be in a garage, so it had this kind of incline, the floor. And I was holding it like this and I was, I was, you know, I was bear hugging it and I was walking in. And, uh, I realized that, the weight, he was like, oh, this is a heavy one. And the weight was so much that I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. Like, I couldn't breathe. Like, my diaphragm couldn't lift oh, yeah, my yeah. body so I could, yep. so I could breathe. And then I went to try to breathe in, and I just felt a pop in my back. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. I almost dropped the thing. I put it down. I had to go sit down. I was, I was out. I, was, I had to go lay down yeah. for a couple days. I was jacked after that. Yeah, ba horrible. backs are, like, the worst thing. I, I, I threw my back out getting out of bed one morning. It was just one of those things where it was like I rolled out the wrong way and I threw my back out and I was like recovering from that for like a week. You know? Yeah. Just it was like ridiculous shit like that. Well, that's the things that you're not quite thinking about. I mean, when you're practicing yoga or you're lifting, I'm sure in your practice it's the same thing. Like the more you 
uh, think about breath technique and breath control and stuff like that, the safer you're going to be. But I always hurt myself when I'm doing something every day. Yeah. Like not thinking like, oh, I need to, you know, engage my diaphragm or I need to do something like that. I'm just turning around and suddenly I'm like. I think Mike Wilson was te- he sent me a text when he was joking around. He was like, yeah, you know how you feel like you're getting old, man? You fucking throw your back out and you sneeze. <laughs> I guess he was at work and sneezed and fucking tweaked his back somehow. You know? I mean, Joe's got sciatica. Yeah, well... He's all jammed yeah, up and sitting in that chair all day yeah. fucking clicking that mouse, man. But that's why it's important to, like, you know, do stuff like, you know, like you guys are doing. Yeah. What, what, what all of us are doing. Where you gotta, like... Yeah, you're getting older, man, and your body start, stops producing certain hormones, and if you don't use your body... You just, you get that, like, rounded, you know, sort of, like, <laughs> bitch, bitch tits, you know, <laughs> like, doughy, yeah. you get that look, because you're, if you're, if you're sedentary, you know, your, your body's, like, not producing those, those hormones that, like, would enable you to, like, you know, hunt, you know, chase down a fucking elk or something, or run yeah. away from them, you know, and then, you, you know, just don't make that shit anymore, and then that's the slow descent into, like, this oblivion, you know? Yeah. Actually, we got, we, uh, after months and months of pressuring and prodding, we finally got Philadelphia Joe yeah. to come try out Bet's Method with us. How did he make out? I think he got crushed. I yeah. think he was crushed by it. But I think that from, like, being crushed, he's ready to now, like, build himself back yeah, up. Totally, yeah, totally. Because, you know, from what I gather, he didn't give up the entire time. That's no, good. He didn't give up at all. Consistently, yeah. like, engaged and would get tired and come back. He oh, was, that's awesome. That was really really happy because he'd been complaining for so long too like yeah I'm not shape feel like shit like I'm not taking care of myself and we we're just like alright yeah, please yeah. come you know it's, it's such so an easy happy. thing to do it seems too you see a lot of folks out there we were saying earlier about like you know it seems like you know for example when the government puts those those posters in the subways in New York oh, yeah. City about mm-hmm. like you could you have to walk 4.2 miles to burn the amount of calories in this sugary iced tea it's like yeah, I mean, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. We're not all the same size. We all have the same metabolism. How many of those things have you been drinking for how many years? Like, yeah. Don't it, and the other one that I got a real huge kick, Aaron and I were on the subway, we, we fucking laughed, man. It was like, you know, get your exercise in. You can get 15 minutes of exercise by walking briskly to the subway. Walking, like, you know, when you cross over one of the steps, like, you skip a step every time you go. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. Do that. So I was like, you're just encouraging the bare minimum. You really do. Yeah. It's it like, just encourages people to imagine so little for themselves, you know, when it's like, and it's something, it's something that was, a lot, I feel like a lot of people run up against, a lot of trainers run, run up against some training women, like, who don't want to lift heavy weights, and they're afraid of it, and they think it's not going to be good for them. It's like, oh, you know, I just want to... I just want to tone up a little bit or something like that. And it just kind of encourages people to not set, like, like exciting goals for themselves or think, like, maybe I can do this, you know? Yeah, instead of, right. walking, instead of walking briskly, why not be, like, fucking do 20 chin-ups and fucking sprint, you know? It's like, do yeah. something you think you can't do. Yeah, well, like, try that. something you think yeah. you can't do yet. Well, one of the things that's important, though, is getting involved with, like, you know, a trainer or a school or something like that because... The thing I, I find, it, when you say, like, you go to, like, a jiu-jitsu class or you go to a Muay Thai class or you go to train with Larry, you you don't think. You just do what they tell you to do. You, know, you run around yeah. circles for, like, you know, you yeah. do hip escapes and whatever, and you 
kick a bag for like, you know, whatever these combinations and you just execute it and then you can't help but improve. It's, it takes the pressure off of you to go into the gym and be like, all right, what am I going to do today? Yeah. You know, I like doing curls. So I'm going to do curls. <laughs> then I'm going to ride the stationary bike for 20 minutes yeah. and then I'm going to go home, you know? So it's like, it, it sort of keeps you out of your comfort zone. I think that's really important. And because not every, you know, you don't know what you need. You know, you go into the gym and you're just like, yeah, I want bench press. And then all that stuff's good, but unless you have someone who's like, has a, a game plan for your development, who has experience in training you, yeah. then it's kind of pointless to think that, to have the hubris to yeah. think that you know what's good for you. Yeah. And you don't know shit, you know what I'm saying? Well, the thing is, I mean, I, that's why, that's the main reason I went. Like, I, I could have gone to McCarran Park and fucking done the, you know, the pull-up, sit-up, run around the track, fucking whatever, you know? And, I, A, I'm not dis- I wasn't disciplined enough to be able to do that. or to, I had no idea, no basis, you know? There was no, I needed something to build upon. I had no idea where to, where to go with it, you know? So it was really good when those guys were like, well, we're going to do this. This is what we're doing today. This is what we're doing tomorrow. Yeah. This is what we're going to do next week. This is we're going to do this pyramid. We're going to do... You know, right now we're on a he- we're on the uh, eight was it eight weeks of uh, like heavy week, light week, okay, kind of thing that we're doing. Yeah, these um, guys are people who spend all their time nerding out about how to write programs and how to periodize and how to you know basically get people super fit for sports specific things or just you know for general fitness or events or something like that. You can, can really benefit from someone like that. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to have the time. I'm not trainer, I'm not a nutritional scientist, it's like really fun to have people there, you just nerd out all day on that stuff. But even if you can't afford to go to a place like that, it's important to get direction from somebody, because it's like, you know, there's all, nowadays there's all these DVDs out there that are available, you know, like, like I got a bunch of those like Dragon Door, Kettlebell DVDs, and they're, mm-hmm. they're like $29 or something, yeah. you know, and if you want to learn how to do kettle, like a good kettlebell work, you just follow it to the letter, just do what that guy does and you'll get better at it. And you'll improve, and you just stay focused, and just you know, just really go after it. You know what I mean? And that's the key. You know, and you just follow these programs, and you just you'll improve. It takes the pressure off of you, off of you, to think about well, what am I going to do? You know, because all these programs have been developed by people who have spent years of their life focused on nutrition and training techniques and all this other, all these details. You know, the whole background of the, of that world is something that you don't have access to unless you consult someone as a professional. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, it's really deeply satisfying when I, you know, when you start making gains and you can start seeing a real difference. You're like, remember the first time I went in there, I was joking with Larry about this the other day. I was like, yeah, remember that time that I was trying to do, I was trying to do dips and you were like, help me. And I was on the bands and you were like, oh, one more. And I was like, I haven't even done one yet. You know? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it's a hundred percent improvement. You know, and I did one, and I was like, yeah, it's awesome. And now, you know, I found myself the other day during the heavy week with a fucking, what was that, like a 25-pound kettlebell strapped around nice. my waist doing, like, you know, sets of eight. Cool. And I was like, damn, man, like, when did this happen? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's really satisfying. It's like, holy fuck, six months later. It's like, it's six months now, I think. And I'm like, yeah, six more. Let's fucking let's keep going, you know? It's just like, feel, like, sharpened, you know, just totally. Yeah. Mentally, physically, it's not just about... One or the other, you know, just seeing how much, you know, it's it's uh, intertwined you know, to be a complete, complete person. It, I, I feel, anyway, which I think is really cool. We played that decibel show last weekend. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It was uh, Pig Destroyer. 
Repulsion. Evoking. Evoking. Uh, municipal waste and uh, converge. Yeah. The um, Evoking, amazing. I don't think I've ever seen them. I've never seen them. They've been around. They've been a band for like 16 years or something like that. Like mm-hmm. been, and I'm not a huge fan of doom metal. Yeah. But they take it to another level. You know, they're just like um, very... There's a lot of atmosphere. They actually write songs instead of just these droney riffs, you know? Were they, were they a band, or was it like a cross... Was it like a trans... I thought it was like a transatlantic... No, it wasn't. No, nah, they're all dudes from... They're from like Jersey and Staten Island. Oh, okay. I'm taking yeah. something else. Yeah, they have a keyboard player. They're, they're awesome. They're just... Like, in, in a big venue, like Union Transfer, there's like awesome PA system, and it's yeah. just like crushing. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious. Talk a little bit, a little bit about Union Transfer... You said it was owned by R5. I mean, I, when I grew up in South Jersey, outside Philly, I would go there for shows, and I'd go to the church all the time. Yeah. It was R5, and I remember that. And, I, you know, I haven't been down there in a while, but it's pretty wild to think that those dudes now own, own a venue. Yeah, I don't know if they had outside financing, but it's their venue now. That's really awesome, man. Yeah, it's, it used to be a spaghetti warehouse, and um, it's really it's set up. Like, a lot, of, a lot of planning went into it, because there's an actual parking area for the vans, for the gate. Wow. If some guy lets you in, you pull in, yeah. there's a side door, like a loading dock area. You bring all the gear in. The stage is actually movable. So if you had, like, like that show, was like there's, like, 1,100 people there. Wow. But they can also yeah. modify that to be a 300-person room by moving the stage in. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty insane. That's that's pretty far out, man. And then it's the backstage the area. Yeah, R5, they're, like, pros, man. They're, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. They do all the big shows, and they do smaller shows, too. But also the backstage is like a combination lock where so not you know, not just anyone could walk back there, even though a lot of jokers ended up back there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, there's that guy it's like, you know, he's just eating he's eating the sandwich, you know, he's eating the fucking the catering and yeah. you know, drinking drinking your cold one. You're like, Where'd you get that Lone Star, man? And you're like, oh, no, my buddy Tommy said it was yeah, cool. Like, Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but that was pretty cool. Everyone had their own room. It was kinda nice. There was like a bunch of food, you know, and That's cool. Repulsion played and um, it was like, you know, it wasn't all the original members, but it had that uh, Marissa Martinez was uh, from, from Cretan. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was playing guitar for them. She yeah. Was second guitar player. Excellent. And that was pretty, uh, you know, I was kind of meditating on that for a minute, you know. Yeah. Because, like, you know, that's, that's like, uh, I couldn't even imagine, like, that. I gave her a lot of, like, props for having the courage to do something like that. Yeah. Know? I couldn't totally. believe that much in, like, what the right path for you is and to modify yourself that way, to change your your path, to follow what you see yourself as and to manifest that yeah. physically, you know? Well, of course. I mean, especially within the sort of, like, the constraints of that, at certain aspects of that particular scene that she's involved in. Because I know that there's probably a lot of, like, reaction to that. Oh, yeah. Negative reaction. I wouldn't think it'd be a stretch to imagine some people having, like, a more of a, um, you know, sort of, like, uh, ignorant uh, opinion about that. Yeah, real fearful. You know? Yeah. And I think that took a lot of, it's a lot of, to be, to operate in the extreme metal scene and be, you know, a transsexual person, you know? And to have actually gone through the operation and whatever hormone therapy you have to go through. Yeah. You know, I mean, just aside from that, just that in and of itself is like, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but, you know, no, I feel pretty comfortable lot, as a yeah. man. But, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. But, that's, that's a hell of a, it's a hell of a lot of, uh... What, well, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to 
get at is that so many people go through life and they don't even know who their true self is anyway. Like they're, you know, just forget about getting a sex change. Just think about, you know, you're, you get wrapped up in whatever ego trips you have in your life and you're just, you know, yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money. I want to do this thing here, but you know, you may be, will you be more happy doing something else? And most people, that's an obstacle for them to even make that change in their life. Oh, like yeah. to, to decide that, you know what, I want to do this instead of that. And to, to know deep down that's a better path for yourself, but still be drawn in to sort of the comforts, you know? Yeah. But for someone who is like having gender issues and to be, you know, a man by birth, but know that deep down that they have like these female tendencies and they view themselves more as a woman to actually make a drastic physiological change like that oh, yeah. Yeah. is like such a mind blowing idea. I just trip out on that. And I was thinking about that, like, you know, when we were playing the show and like afterward and the days following, I was just like, man, that's like fucking like, you know, a lot of people talk about being, you know, hard and you know, all these like posturing of, you know, being evil and tough and all this stuff. And it's just like, that to me is like the epitome of like having strength to like manifest your, your ideas about who you want to be. Yeah. And just completely owning it, you know? Yeah. Just, it's a, this, it's a, yeah, it's just this kind of like, it's just a, it's a no compromise approach. Like this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. No like societal, uh, norms or constraints are going to, are going to stop you from pursuing yeah. this thing. You feel so strongly about it. It's like, I was listening to an interview with a, uh, a Navy SEAL recently, former Navy SEAL, and he was saying that there's a lot of guys that will come out and, you know, will be like, you know, he's, he's like, you got to figure out who you are, why you want to be there. You know, it's like, if you truly believe you're going to be there, like, you'll be able to cross any physical boundary, mental, you know, uh, stress you're going to be able to cross it because you have the internal, uh, like, the fortitude to be able to, to press forward with it. But when you get those guys or those people out there, it's like, this one of these badass fucking oh, yeah. kicker. Like, those guys are going to get shut down, you know. And it's, it, it's it, there's a very small percentage of people that are able to actually, A, recognize the, the signals that, are, that they're sending themselves about who, like which direction they want to go in, and then to act on that, and to act, act on that in totality, you know, to completely just, you know, have it all-encompassing in your life. It's quite an admirable thing that, you know, it's a lot, yeah, you're saying there's a lot of strength there. It's like, do you, yeah. do you have the power to do that, you know? I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. I don't think it's I could. not just within, like, a wider cultural context that has a lot of taboos around gender identity, but it's coming from within a subculture that, I don't know, in my experience, like, my subcultural experience as, like, a young person, a teenager, was very... Like, I found it pretty comforting, like, to be part of a scene, you know? And to kind of have to, like, go from space, like, within a space that feels kind of safe, to have to come out as being, like, so different from, like, everyone you've ever known could be, like, doubly threatening, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's not just, you know, the society that you think you don't really identify with anyway. It's, like, all the things that you hold dear at the same time. But I think that's fucking awesome that, you know, there's space for that now. So I think there's a time when there wouldn't have been any space for it anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely, like, the, the extreme music scene has come a long way, like, in their tolerance of stuff like that. You know, just yeah. the idea that people can have that discussion about gender or whatever, you know. 
Yeah. I was a Jared, the lace guy, you know, the lace pickups guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they were one of the sponsors for the show when okay. he was there. So I'm, I'm going to photograph with me, Scott Hull, and um, Rosa Martina. You know, nice. Lace photograph. I'd like to see that photo. It's on It's on their Facebook page somewhere. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Next time I'm, I'm uh, distracting myself with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I, when, after I get done training, before I go to work, I'm just like, yeah, maybe I'll take a nap. Then I just get sucked down some rabbit hole, some fucking random... Like tactical, like tactical gear site or something. Oh yeah, like yeah, I definitely. Mean, I'm like looking at these like shooting schools in New Hampshire and shit like that. I'm like, you know, you get pulled into that. Yeah, that wormhole. That, that wormhole. Yeah. Of Hours go by. Yeah, and you're like, oh my dear lord, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to not. I'm trying to not so obsessively like check email and texts and things like that. I'm trying to, you know. Be, manage that a little bit more because you realize like how much time you spend just looking at email and I'm trying to keep keep an eye on that because in, instead of wasting those 20 minutes or 30 minutes or over the course of the day maybe an hour of my time just looking at meaningless bullshit and trying to reassign that to doing something that's important you know yeah. or actually doing work or something that's like going to be meaningful to me in the long run oh totally man when I uh right when Hurricane Sandy came, or is it Superstorm? What's the technical? What's the? I'm going to call it Hurricane. Hurricane. We're going, let's go with Hurricane Sandy. When that happened, it was uh, the day before it happened. It was actually a Saturday, and uh, I was working for Mile End at the, one of the Smorgasburg events, and I had a, I had a bucket of pickles, right? And Caitlin knocked my phone into the bucket of pickles, so I didn't have a phone. I was like, "Fuck, man, I don't know. what am I going to do?" Because Aaron's in Montreal at the time. We, right. we had this like, family plan thing. Mm-hmm. So she was going to upgrade her phone, give me her old phone, you know, whatever. So, uh, I, I, you know, I knew there was going to be a storm or whatever. The previous hurricane, I guess the year before, ended up being a wash. So no one really yeah, was exactly. concerned about yep. it. They were just like, oh, fuck, yeah, no big deal. And uh, so my phone's done. I'm like, ah, no big deal. And the shit hit. And I was just like, oh, fuck, man, what am I going to do? I can't contact anybody. Yeah, your job. And- yeah, I couldn't contact anybody at work. I couldn't contact you. I couldn't contact my folks. Um, what was I going with this? Checking email. Like oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, here we go. Um, anyway. So, when Aaron got back, I got this, like, burner phone with those flip phones. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, the drug dealer phones. Drug dealer <laughs> phone. Yeah, I got one of those. And uh, it was, like, the day before I went to Nebraska. So, I went to Nebraska, and the thing died. I was like, fuck it, I don't care, man. I put it in Aaron's, like, drawer in his kitchen. And I was like, called a day. And I was like, a week later, I, I fucking pulled the phone out. And I was like, holy fuck. Just bombarded with these, like, emails. And I was just like, you know what, fuck it, man. I don't, yeah. don't want to read these. But it was the best, because when I was out there, I get up at I get up at 5 in the morning, and it's so quiet yeah. and so dark where they are that you don't, I didn't even need an alarm clock. I just kind of focused on getting up that early, yeah. and I just got up. And I'd be downstairs making a cup of coffee. He'd come down with the dogs. We'd go out to the saddle shop, fucking, you know, just not talking, listening to some, like, Buck Owens, throwing on, a, throwing on our gear and jumping in the truck and just going out, watching the sun come up and pumping. That was a really cool experience, man. Getting out there, because I've been doing a lot of, like, shotgunning my whole life and shooting in general, but never really doing any hunting and being able to go out and have that, like, you know, observe this symbiotic relationship between man and dog and, like, the training and the, the, you know, the understanding between the two and watch that play go on was really fun. And then just walking up and down fields all day with a 10-pound shotgun is 
pretty fucking crushing. You know, for sure. like eight hours. Yeah. Brutal. Plus, I have a crazy brush. And yeah, this is like heavy hands. cover. I got a couple birds. Nice. Yeah. He was knocking them out, though. Oh, he was doing good? He was crushing them, man. Nice. That's his thing. You know, you know what he it's does now? Yeah. He's like a big quail hunter now? No, he's a pheasant hunter, pheasant but hunter. he finally... He he wrote something on his Facebook page that I was really fucking happy about. He was like... was it? Like, in 37 years of his life in total, he's like finally like excited to go to work. Oh, cool. He's yeah, like, he's every like, morning I wake up now, excited to go to stoked. work. Nice. Yeah, he, he works at this place called Pheasant Bonanza. It's like... This massive hunting preserve. Oh, wow. And, uh, 1,400 acres. 1,400 acres, something like that. And it's at Orvis Endorsed. Orvis is like one of the foremost, you know, outfitters, like, um, you know, uh, purveyors of fine shotguns, like dog training. And this is an Orvis Endorsed uh, dog breeding program and kennel that they have. And so he's the head chef of the place. And he, he works in the lodge with, like, groups of guys come and stay. He'll cook them all breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, cool. So he'll source all the food. He's doing it all by himself. He'll source everything, cook it, serve it, and then that, that's his gig. And in the off-season, they're training to be a dog trainer, which is really awesome. That's where I'm getting dog. Dog trainer. Yes. Yeah. So he's doing, like, breeding and, and dog training. So he's going he's gonna to get me a uh, pup. So we're going to try to move and, and get it. But move apartments and try to get a dog in the city. Finally, it's like... You know, that lifelong goal of having my own pet, having my own sure. dog, like a friend, you know, like yeah. a working companion. Like, you got Loki. I got the cat, yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you meet Loki yet? No. I think this is like her, she's still like in the nap era. Like, this yeah. is like her period for napping, so she's like chilling somewhere. Liminal space. Yeah. She's like hanging out somewhere. I met her for the first time. Yeah. I've only seen photos. <laughs> Oh, it's just a really nice feeling when you have an animal around. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's definitely like another presence, like in the, uh, you know, another energy, life form, life form energy, like around. It's always good. How did you, uh, on some of the journeys that you took, Loki was kicking, kicking around? Yeah, well, that one heavy one I took here in the apartment, she was like, uh, well, I, that one was funny because um, I was going by myself and it was totally on a whim. Yeah. Well, and I just had like this bag of mushrooms and like half. I just ate half of the bag. I didn't even measure it. And, uh, because, like, I'd taken a little bit. I'd say I had another experience, like, earlier. There was, like, a, a dud, you know? Yeah. And I was like, fuck it, man. Just eat half of this shit, you know? I just, and, um, just in case, you yeah. Know? So, apparently, I was, like, yelling and shit. And, like, I heard, overheard my neighbors outside. They're like, what's going What's going on in there? Like, you know, whatever. Like, but all through, like, that's, like, as things are kind of ramping up. I overheard someone in the hallway saying that. And then when it was all over with, like, hours later, Loki was, like, just... She knew something was going on, man. Yeah. You know? Like, we walked together, like, beyond the black rainbow somewhere, man. Like, we were, like, you know, spanning hyperspace together. Yeah. Our energies were commingling, you know? I really, uh... The last time, when we were in Maine over the new year, we were at Dan Lara's house, we did some mushrooms. And I hadn't done them in a Long fucking time, man. I think that I had the fear driven into me from the last time. Because I, you know, before, when I was younger, I would take those kind of drugs. Aside from the first time I ever did LSD, every other time I had done hallucinogens was for the wrong reasons or in the wrong context. Yeah. It was the wrong time. You know, I didn't worry. The first time I had done it was a mind-blowing, like, you know, consciousness-bursting event. You was know, it LSD or was it mushrooms? It was LSD. I, I distinctly remember one of the most like profound moments I've ever had in my entire life. I was with Dan. 
he was like, he was 16, at the, or he was either 15 or 16 at the time. 15 turning 16, I was 17, so I remember I had a car. And uh, we did, it was like a really nice summer day. It was like a nice old, you know, colonial New Jersey town, Morristown. And we, we ate some uh, LSD, we walked around these parks, and we just, we just talked, and my, you know, my mind started going all these crazy different places. I never thought my consciousness was like, you know, being pulled and pushed in all these different directions. And then the next day, I remember getting in my car and looking at myself in the, in the rear view before I turned the key, and I, I, I don't have that many like profound, lucid memories from, you know, when I was a kid. There's just kind of these, like, impressions. Yeah. But that particular one was just, like, I remember just feeling like a completely different person. Sure. You know, just, like, and so much stronger. I was like, wow, I feel so much stronger than I was yesterday. I feel like I understand so much more about other people. It was, you know, it was really a profound kind of thing. And I never, I never felt that way again from doing those kind of things. That kind of freaked me out. Because I remember I did mushrooms again. And, you know, it, went, it kind of went to a dark, a dark uh, place, you know. Yeah. So the last time we did them, they, he, they weighed them out for us. And it was, like, it was incredibly peaceful, man. It, was, it, it wasn't too intense, but I remember just, like, just feeling really, you know, grounded and just nice. But I remember I was saying about the, having, like, a dog or a cat around. Because I remember their dog. Yeah. Rupert, this old English sheepdog, came right. up to me. <laughs> I, I remember having this like really funny vision that I saw him, and I closed my eyes, and he was like, kind of made of like dust, but like I could definitely like still see him, and he was just sort of like kind of like blowing, blowing in the wind, you know. So it's a really funny thing that stuck in my head from that whole thing. It was like a like a gingerbread cookie or something. It was pretty funny. One of the things I sort of you know after doing have a couple of few experiences. Is just the uh, the idea that like our personalities and like who we are are just like these fucking coats we put on, take on and off. Yeah. You know, the, our higher self is like some other thing that exists independent of like our personalities. Yeah. You know what I mean, and that's kind of like you know, for the last few months, I just kind of rolling roll with that idea. You know, just thinking about all this, it sort of trivializes a lot of things in your life when you think of it in that terms. Mm. You know, how it's just like, even our connection to this planet is even like this situational thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of like makes you think about the short span of our lives and like the things that we can accomplish and how it's just like, you know, it's it's like, a, you know, it's a put on in some ways, you know. Yeah. You know, the whole our whole life is like this vogue, you know, it's like this, you know. You know, use your illusion one and two combined. You know what I mean? It's like sort of, you know, it's not really, you know, it's just this this thing, you know. And, and then we we cast it off and we take on another thing. Yeah, yeah. You're constantly shedding, you know. Yeah. And go, like like morphing. You know, I think when people reach this kind of like point of like stasis, you know, people like, people that aren't ever willing to to learn anymore or or to change their perspective or. You know, to maybe, like, step out a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, like, go to the edge and look down, you know, just kind of, like, freak yourself out. You can always walk back. Some people, they never fucking, they don't even get close, man. They're too scared to get anywhere near it. Well, on, on high doses of psilocybin, like, you kind of feel like you're not going to come back, though, sometimes. Yeah, there's that, there's that, uh, yeah. There's that, well, that's the, you know, that's the fear that you have to learn to control in those situations. Yeah, but I don't think controlling is, controlling is what turns it into, like, this negative thing, really. Yeah. I mean, you just have to sort of, like, 
give up control because I know like in, experience, in times when I've felt like things slipping away from me, you, your tendency is to grab on, try to hold on to something and cling to that. Yeah. And that's when things get really, really hairy. And when you, once you're able to let go of that tendency is when things kind of even out and you sort of just like come to grips with the idea that you might be dying, you know, you might yeah. not be coming back from the land of the dead or wherever you're going to. You know, and that was like a very real feeling I had at one point in one of the experiences I've had with that sort of stuff was, oh my God, I, you know, I poisoned myself, this is it, something's wrong, you know, I'm never going to, you know, this is it, man, I'm dying, you know, and then like, the, the more you kind of meditate on those ideas, like the harder it gets and the more you feel like you're being ripped out of your body. And then once I was able to sort of be like, okay, this is it. This is it. You know, you have to just sort of let go. And that's probably what dying is like when you're actually passing on into whatever fucking, you know, realm or if, or nothing or whatever, whatever lies beyond this life. It's like you're going to face that at some period where you're going to be clinging to this fucking thing. And you're going to have to let go. And, like, you're passing into that next phase of whatever is hard or easy, but it's all sort of whether or not you want to let go of things or not. And that's kind of like, and that's kind of like why I feel like the, our personalities and these egos we have are just like these coats that we put on and take off and put on and take off into eternity. You know, and, and that the higher self that we have is like something that exists beyond all of our like shortcomings and you know, everything, everything, every failure that we've had or every fucking achievement that we've had, it's just like finite, you know, and you just take it on, put it off like a shirt and that's it. Have you ever, uh, have you ever met or do you have any friends or anyone that you know that's like never actually experienced death in any way, shape or form? Like they've never had someone die in their yeah, life? Yeah, yeah. Like in their family? I, I actually know a few people like that. They just have no comprehension of what it's like. I think everyone that I know has experienced a death somehow. Yeah. Like, at this stage of our lives, you know, like, we're all in our 30s, 40s, I'm in my yeah. 40s, you know, and it's like everyone's had had to experience family and friends dying, you know. I think everyone I, everyone I know has experienced death in some form. Yeah, well, I know people have experienced some form, but, like, you know, not, you know, again, it's like, as an, like, impressionistic kind of thing that was somebody else's experience that they're kind of experiencing through them. You know, not not anyone that was close to them or something. I know a few people that have never experienced that. It always kind of blows my mind. I was actually listening to a Vulcan like, I made this uh, mix, you know, when I decided I was going to take those uh, those mushrooms. Yeah. So, like, I had I had a mixed, a mixed you know, playlist with a Vulcan on it. And that was kind of, like, uh, a little too heavy. It, little, it sort of colored things in a way that I wasn't really comfortable with. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> God. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's sort of, one of the things that I was realizing was, like, all this darkness and, you know, satanic, you know, stuff, and like, you know, evil and all this other stuff. It's like, it just seems so paper thin after all, like, when, when you jump into, like, the deep end like that, you know what I mean? You realize that it's like, you know, that whole, like, 
that whole kick is just like uh, a human, you know, paper thin construct. You know what I'm trying to say? Like the whole idea oh, yeah. of evil and good and evil are almost meaningless, really. You know, because there's just like like existence in and of itself. Depending on what side of the fence you're sitting on, like if you're if you're prey to a wolf, the wolf is going to seem evil to you because it's trying to kill you and devour you. You know what I mean? But the wolf is surviving. You know what I mean? And he's acting in the manner in which he has evolved into. So there's really, it's like a, a, an objectivity to reality. You know, so a lot of these like human abstractions, especially being involved in the extreme metal scene that you and I are, you know, yeah. familiar with, all these like, you know, human personifications of like evil and, you know, satanic bullshit and all this other stuff. It's just like, when you really look at it from like really far up, it just seems very superficial, you know. Yeah, it's something that I always thought was uh, was really kind of goofy in a way. So I was like, "All right, you want to put on this sort of mask of being evil and all this nonsense, but yet you still live in this kind of like morally, you know, correct society. You know, you kind of act within act within those kind of like barriers. You're not you're not. What are you? Gonna, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and fucking like attack people and." <laughs> burglarize and, you know, commit all these, like, violent, violent offenses against people or just fucking, like, you know, hurt people in some kind of subtle, passive-aggressive way. Is that yeah. some kind of, is that evil? You know, it's like, what's the deal? You want a posture? You know, it, it, it seems like it's, it's, uh... There she is. Yeah, what's up, Loki? She's, she's awakened. It seems like, some, you know, sometimes people hide behind that kind of, thing, kind of stuff because they don't know who they are. They're, like, incredibly insecure... Or they're just trying to be rebellious. Yeah. So it's like this easy thing to grab on a... If you live in, like, a Western Christian society, it seems like it'd be a really easy thing to grab like grab, grab on a Satan and use that as sure. your fucking... As your shield and, like, free people out a little bit. You know, it's like... It just seems so easy. You know? I mean, especially, yeah, you know, in the Christian world. But I, mean, but, I mean, on the same hand, like, I don't want to be too critical of that because I know as a young person, you know, having you coming into your own identity... Yeah. Sometimes these powerful images are things that you feel empower you because you're reacting to things in your life or your surroundings that, you know, you're just reacting to that. So, you know, if everyone's, like, into this real generic sort of mainstream thing, like, you know, jumping it onto the satanic ride, you know, that might be, like, this real far-out thing. You know? Well, it could be a pretty, it could, you know, it could definitely be a very powerful key to open up you know, a different world for the people. But you, yeah. it's like, are you able to step through that and and put it in perspective and, and gain new knowledge and take that in a new direction? Or are you just going to be that guy that's like, you know, I'm you know, I'm just this fucking evil badass like guy. You know, he's like. Well, it's a matter of perspective too, because when you're looking at that from the place where you're sort of in, having an encounter with like the this real possibility of death on. Psilocybin, then it, it's it's so paper thin because it is an aesthetic just like every other aesthetic or every other personality or and it seems like nothing but you know you don't live from that perspective all the time like you know you live engaged in your community and in your relationship to those aesthetics as they change so you know as a kid growing up it does it it becomes a doorway that might have actually led you to entertain the possibility of 
you know, psilocybin experience and looking deep, more deeply into things, you know, or maybe not. Some people just kind of toy with those identities and kind of leave the rest of the implications at the door. These days, the thing I'm, I'm interested in more than just like, you know, satanic, you know, fucking hell, death, or whatever, you know, is, is more like, like the occult, I think, is to me more interesting than Satanism, because the occult is a more balanced, I mean, you know, that, that can, I'm thinking more like the sort of Wiccan idea of things, which is more like this pagan nature trip, where it's more about balance, you know, like sort of balancing life and death, dark and light, you know, and that yeah. sort of stuff, and that's, is, is me, to me, like a more realistic way of looking at reality than an inversion of some Christian idea, which is what Satanism is, really. Yeah. You know, it's like the Antichrist, you know, it's like acknowledging all the, that monotheistic pantheon of beliefs. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's You're giving like, credence to it. Like yeah, it's like that. a new world, it's like a new idea in the, in the grand scheme of humanity. It's like the idea of, like, you know, monotheism, you know. Yeah. And for thousands of years before that, you know, they, they, people had, you know, a, a more, you know, a, a polytheistic idea of religion. And their religions were based on more experiences that they had with nature and the elements, you know. Maybe direct visceral experiences. Yeah. You know, which I always thought was incredibly fascinating, especially when you start getting into, like, you know, like alternative Egyptology. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's a whole other three-hour conversation. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. But just even getting into, like, the, you know, the, uh, the symbolism between, between, like, behind the, the Temple of Luxor, for example, yeah. and, like, how it lines up with, uh, like, this kind of linear passage of time, you know, and the, the, the anatomical uh, relationship to the human body and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's just, yeah, it's just this kind of, like, knowledge based on understanding through nature. So it's things that you can viscerally experience and then compute and then try to understand as opposed to just chalking it up to, like, you know, there's this fucking gray-haired guy dancing yeah. in the sky that's just doing whatever he wants. The thing, that, the thing about, like, about the, like, Western Christian world that I always thought was so puzzling was this idea that God loves everyone, right? So he creates the earth and he creates people, but he creates the fat, like fallible, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then he let, then he just lets them do what they want, and then when they fuck up, he punishes, punishes them, them by sending them He's into this fucking pit. Just fucking Satan. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, it seems like such a weird thing. He's like, I love you, and I'm going to give you a choice between these two things. You know, it's like this jester, this evil fucking jester. He's like, pick the pick which door, pick the door, and then you go through the wrong door. Through no other, you know, uh, like reason other than the fact that maybe, you know, there was a little bit of heat behind it. You don't want to be near the heat, so you walk through the door and you just fucking Weird fall into this hole. Like, yeah. That's what's really Sketchy. creepy about it. Yeah. Everything else could be seen as sort of a, 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 a lot greater cosmic story, but as soon as the love part comes in, it's like there's this manipulative weirdness. And he loves you, make your own decision, but then. If you don't choose the right path, like for example, if like through no, just you know, through your nature, you have you're a man that happens to love another man. You know, you don't. It's not like you're a, a man and a woman that just got together and you're like beating the fuck out of your wife and like yeah. kicking your kids in the ass. That's okay though, right? Because you're, sure. you know, because Christian you're, ideas. Yeah, that's what uh, I mean. That falls exactly. in their rules, you know? and you can probably get away with that. But yeah. if you're you're a man that just happens to love another man, you know. 
just you just get fucking sh- like pushed into the fiery bowels of, of <laughs> hell. It just blows my mind. You know, it's like and then it's like well, if you know, if he didn't really want to be dealing with this, then why did he create you to be like this anyway? Yeah. You know, or you just uh, well, well, you know, the thing is with all you know Christianity, Judaism, and you know Islam. You know, it's 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 really those those religions, the desert religions. You know, they're they're designed yeah. to like control people, control peasants. Really. Yeah. You know, and and that's what's really you know maybe the the idea of like early Christianity was like pretty psychedelic, like that's like psychedelic beginnings. You know, like the amnesia, muscaria, mushrooms, yeah, and, and all you know the burning bush and like all this other stuff. You look at early Christian art and like you know, sculpture and whatnot. There's, like, all sorts of psychedelic stuff all over that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, whatever symbology or ideas that got pulled out from that hyperspace realm that these, like, far-out, like, shamans, like, came back with, that was beaten into this, like, controlling religion, you know? And then it's lost touch with any any of the... any of that sort of concept, you know what I mean? And then it just became, like, a... a method, a tool to control peasants with. Yeah. You know. Well, today, look at today. Today, yeah. Christianity. Same thing. You know, controls peasants, you know, controls the fucking sheep in our country, you know what I mean? Yeah. Once it starts trying to shape policy, then I start taking a real issue with it. I mean, it's, you know, everything aside, I'm like, all right, there's a lot of, you know, Christians in my family. I was raised sure. kind of on the edge of all that kind well, of me stuff. Me too. I, yeah. was, I was raised Roman Catholic, so yeah. Up, you know? And you're like, you know what? It's cool, man. I mean, if that brings you happiness in your life, I think that's great. We know plenty of people like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, one of our old coworkers, Jenny, grew up in Texas, is like, you know, I guess like a, you know, a Christian that's kind of more in the image of what Christ was supposed to be. Yeah. It's kind of like more caring, loving, understanding kind of person. Hurting, you know, yeah, exactly. Sort of guy. You know. They remember our friend Dave, or that dude blonde. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of his vibe, like Jesus. Too. Yeah. 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 He's like, he's totally far out now, man. Yeah. Went to West Philly and fucked his hair out. Sure. You know, he plays shows at Pete's Candy Store all the time. Just coming to town, he's like, oh, hey, man, I left my phone, but just wondering. <laughs> you know, like someone's girlfriend will call me, I'm like, hello. And then she's like, oh, hey, man, you know, how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's Dave, Dave, man. Yeah, you know, it's like that 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 aspect of it, I think, is really awesome. It's just when people start getting into this fucking spun-out, wacky ideas about, oh, the dinosaur bones, God put them in the earth to test our faith. You're just like, Jesus Christ, man. You're really, you're bordering on fucking completely insane right now. I'm finding it really hard to yeah. take you seriously. I can't take your point, point of view seriously. Plus... We know when they want it, when their their main agenda is to convert you, like when they're down at the Oh, yeah, like, man. Yeah. Like, you get points or something, you know? You get another, like, gold brick in your fucking driveway in heaven if you fucking convert another soul or something like that. You know? Just do your thing, man. Be happy with what you're doing and who you are. And I'll completely support that. I think that's great, man. As long as you're not hurting other people. Yeah. You know, that's fine. But once you start fucking demonizing, you know, blaspheming people and yeah. I like to think of Jesus as like this kind of like you know Dave like hippie dude. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, just sort of like chilling with sandals, you know, shirtless, you know, just chilling out. Blonde. <laughs> like this blonde, <laughs> this blonde like Middle Eastern guy. You know. Yeah. Like this blonde Israeli dude. <laughs> yeah. He. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He wasn't like you know five two with like smashed in teeth and a fucking jack nose and you know fucking rickets and 
He's hard looking back then. Yeah, all malnourished and shit. At 27, he'd be an old man. This was when Christ was, he was like, Jesus was like crucified, allegedly at 27 or whatever. 27. Like, the, I like those, those, uh, the... At 27 like, what? Like, how the fuck did they even reckon time back then? No, oh, man, I don't know. The whole, you know, uh, BC, AD thing still, I can't wrap my head around that whole thing. At times, it's so bothered. But we're still, yeah, we still use it. You know? I know, it's it seems like, so antiquated. It is antiquated. And the calendar changes all the time. There was a Napoleonic calendar. Yep. Yeah. It changes yeah. constantly. But what does it even matter? You know, like, I don't even... I mean, the idea of a year is pretty, you know, the amount of time it takes for the, sun, the Earth to make one revolution yeah. around the sun and the seasons. That that makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes sense. I can, I, I can see that, but like, but tweaking it and stuff like that, and trying to like change... Through a sign, like, you know... A number to that. Yeah, it's like, why not just do, you know, this is when it starts and this is when it ends. Just like everything else in between just happens. As opposed to breaking it up in these blocks. Or you're, you're, you're changing caliber, you're changing sense of the scope of human history should relate to various types of discoveries. Like, you know, when yeah. people think to themselves, I mean, this is part of what you're talking about with, you know, debates within, like, Egyptology. There are some people who don't want to look at any evidence about certain certain time scales that have been accepted for a long time. Like that should that should be like a bedrock of science. Like if you're going to change your calendar or change your arguments about the scope of human history, it should be in response to certain kinds of evidence. Well, even this idea of figuring out time and the fact that no one really knows what the fuck. A year is, or what to where where we are in the fucking cycle <laughs> yeah. of the Earth. Yeah, it just makes me. It just galvanizes the idea that we don't even know what the fuck really happened in the past. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I no idea. No one knows what went on. You know, with you know who built the pyramids or any of this other stuff. No one. You know, that's why it's it's, it's ludicrous. You argue about these things where it's like, well, think about like 40 years oh, ago. Yeah. Like how many? How much? How many details have fallen through the crack just in yeah. the last hundred years? What about a, a week ago? A week ago, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't like, even fucking remember how, what I did last week at all, you know? I mean, even, it, it, it put that in perspective as well, uh, there was, I believe it was the, was the Senate hearing uh, on the Benghazi attacks with uh, Secret, outgoing Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And, because there was a whole controversy over whether or not they were trying to cover up yeah. the like the reasons for it. They were like, this stemmed from a protest... Or was this, like, planned to happen on September 11th, on the anniversary? You know, because, like, a lot of Americans were killed, a few Americans were killed there. <laughs> and she just totally flipped that. She's like, what difference does it make? And it's like, well, it, it, makes a, it makes a pretty big difference at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, even going back, like, to time and stuff, when I was thinking about that, I mean, that, the, our idea of time, say the clock, for example, Greenwich Mean Time yeah. in the West, what it's all based on, from trains, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? That's like oh, yeah. mid nineteenth century trains and for train schedules. That's where the fucking watch came from. You know, I mean, aside from the sundial and stuff like that, but to like really break it down, and then you're like, well, whose whose watch is really on, or like what's real time? There's those uh, what are those like those atomic clocks? Yeah, the atomic clock. Yeah. Yeah. But that one's still not on totally. Nope. Like, they can't completely... It's such a weird thing. Yeah. The conceptions of time, I mean, they're, so they're it's like, totally culturally dependent, too, because there are places and people who don't really 
they, they don't have this like sense of time or units of time that are abstracted from daily activities. Well, could you, you imagine know, like just a like second? It's so abstract, but you know the amount of time it takes to cook a pot of rice or a certain amount of rice, it would be a unit of time for some people. Yeah, it's like it's well, embedded it. in life, or it's abstracted from yeah. know, designed to control aspects of life. I mean, it's one of the major things of like labor, you know, like labor efficiency studies. And then there's this motherfuckers out there who decide to start the year at a different time than we do. You know? Like Chinese, Chinese. Chinese. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a different fucking New Year, you know. So it's like just just even to decide like how long ago stuff was is like a really arbitrary thing almost, you know. Yeah, it's puzzling. I mean, yeah. think it's about like interesting to me that people you know what I mean? It's like from that perspective, it's like people devoting all of their time to that seems so. Well, and then you think about, like, it's, it's 2013, right? A.D. Like, after the death of, what the fuck? Some guy that didn't even, maybe didn't, probably didn't even fucking exist. Yeah, I know. It's like, how the hell do you reconcile that? Yeah, right? it's fucking bizarre, man. It really is. Yeah, I just think about, like, you know, what it must have been, like, example for, uh, I don't know, you know, old Ben Franklin wakes up one morning, the, the sun comes up, and he just fucking peels his eyes open, has a slug out of his fucking gin bottle or whatever, <laughs> you know, and it goes to the chamber pot. He's like, I don't know, what do I got to do? I, I don't fucking know what time it is. Like, where am I going to go? I'm going to write a bunch of highly influential fucking uh, documents and students. <laughs> you know, I'm going to meet up with my mistress at fucking oh. tea time and someone rings a bell. You know, like, someone rings a fucking bell, then you go out and you're like, oh, it's tea time. Fucking, I'm going to have my tea. Yeah. You know, people ringing bells. When they're really decide, it's like, you know, Using that the, the finger trick, trying to tell, you know that whole that whole nine. I just, yeah, it's just a, it's a completely different way to to view. Like, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. No, in the grand scheme of things, it was like two hundred years ago, or two, even two hundred something years ago. Yeah, even before people had electric lights, man. You know, early twentieth century. I think I think about it sometimes. You know, you look back at say what nineteen thirteen was like. I mean, you look at, when you look back, obviously, when I think 1913, I think, like, you know, the powder keg of Europe about to explode into the second, into the first world right. war, and the, the largest, like, mass conflict and loss of life in human history up until that point. Like, the mechanization of war, like, the industrialization of war, like, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, like, and the, the sheer, like, fragility of the whole situation and the hopelessness that came out of it leading into the second... And I'm like, man, where the hell are we right now? You know, everyone seems to think like, oh, no, you know, everything's, like, everything that happened in the past is just gone. It's not going to happen again. I'm not saying that something like the first world war is going to happen. Well. But you're like, all right, well, it's 2013. Now, if you look at it and, you know, if we learn anything from history, say, for example, this was like 100 years ago. Yeah. What are we, what are we about to step into that we don't know about? Well, it's That's interesting really to bring funny. that up because I don't know if you're familiar with the concepts of sacred geometry and all that sort of stuff where, mm -hmm. like, you know, patterns. You know, like, it's bound, things are cyclical in nature. You know what I mean? That's just the way, that's, that's, if you're going to develop a religion around anything, you should develop a religion around geometry and mathematics and use that as your basis and yeah. try to predict the future using those things because, if you analyze data over a large enough timeline, you'll see patterns, you know. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So all these things you're bringing up about the past, it's only a matter of time for a, an event that's similar to that recurs. 
Yeah, I mean, it happens. Everything think, is cyclical. The whole reality that we live in is a cyclical reality. Yeah, I think it was, what, like 25 years throughout the course of human history that have not seen conflict anywhere on Earth? I think it's something like it's something like uh, 25 years. And that's just, you know, it's completely mind-blowing. And it, may, it just makes you think, like, what... I just can't get my head around, because if I try to just put myself back, like, what must have been like to live in 1913? Because imagine what someone's perspective is going to be in 2113, looking back at our time now. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, man, they just didn't even know. Yeah. They had no fucking clue. And they're going to be, I believe that the people 100 years from now are going to be as advanced, but they're still going to be people. You know, they're still going to, you know, have the same emotions and day to day. But they're just going to, you know, have far yeah. more advanced fucking screens if they or, exist anymore. Or, you know, if you look at like Ray Kurzweil, you know, they might have, the singularity might have happened within yeah, yeah. the next hundred yeah. years. And yeah, yeah. Just I feel like, like the experience and embodiment is going to be radically, it's already radically different, I think. Yeah. It's going to be like on, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time for someone to plant something. Yeah. You know, and then there's like this human-machine hybrid, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, that's kind of, like, what, what they're talking about with, like, you know, integrating tissue with, like, technology, you know. Oh, yeah, like the 3D printers, the 3D fucking... They're trying to 3D print meat. Yeah. That's insane. It's sketchy. Too. Yeah. I don't, like that. I don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> well, I can't remember well, who they're, they're, talking about. It was someone who was talking about people that are the forefront of those experiments are people who are actually like uh, either quite ill or like quite disabled for a number of reasons. Right. Like they're like, all right, I'm willing to take part in this. Like, let's see what you did. Yeah. You know, and these people are going to be at the forefront of like the new human body. Yeah. Or they can print me a new fucking meniscus or something for my goddamn name. <laughs> Could you imagine you get to that point where you're just fucking. You had this 3D printing your house, or like if it was that democratic, like te- technology was that democratic at the point where you're like, all right, I just gotta buy the fucking the plans for this meniscus, yeah. and you know, mail order this fucking cartridge of cells, <laughs> and then <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you print out your own meniscus. I don't know if you'd be able to, you know, put it in yourself. I thought you professional <laughs> to do that. To call a man to do that, probably. Or if you could just plug in, if you plugged your leg into it somehow and it just fucking printed it into your, you know what I mean? You know, I have no fucking clue how that would work, but it's getting there. I mean, the whole the whole idea of gun control is totally thrown on its head when those kids fucking made an AR-15 out of a 3D printer. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? It was scary. a one shot, but you're like, holy fuck. There's almost going to be no way to control this. They're completely, it's like, yeah, this technology exists, and you're going to have to take back technology. It's pretty They're interesting. They're all jacked up on antidepressants. Oh yeah, those. Which yeah. is like the main reason why people are going out and killing each other. Yeah, we were we were talking about a lot of this. A lot of this we've been talking about recently. I mean, I, you know, it, it blows my mind. It's like we if you take if you for example if you take guns off the table, what do you get to? Why are people killing each other? Why are there so many people wanting to go out and kill each other? You know, obviously that kid. If you were able, I mean, I don't think any of us here would even obviously couldn't do it. If I had tried to kill my mother, after, like, just completely losing my mind and, like, being, like, making myself ill and sick, like, even thinking about doing that, to, thought, to like, to think to, like, continue on with what that kid ended up doing, you're fucked. It doesn't matter. 
You yeah. Could've, you could have packed a car full of fertilizer. Totally. And blown something up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like conversation within the first five days of what happened in Sandy Hook, and I found, I thought that that was pretty encouraging that people were talking about this sort of thing. It's totally gone off the table now. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of us do just with lobbyists and stuff, too, who are like, you know, I mean, honestly, these kids are on prescription pharmaceuticals that altering their behavior. Like, these are the side effects that you read about. Like, you yeah. know, the side effects, whenever you're looking at Cialis, like, you know, fucking, you know, anal fissures or whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever bullshit these guys are on, this is what happens. You turn into a killing machine. Yeah, you turn into a Soulless, mindless... Yeah cold, calculated killing machine. And that's what the side effects of that shit are. You know? well, the thing is, yeah, even, even a, a bunch of, like, trained military personnel at times find it hard to pull the trigger yeah. against other people, and that's their job. Because they're trying to make a, split, a split-second decision, like, you know, do I take this person's life or not? Are they a threat or are they not a threat? Do I do this? Do I not do this? Am I going to be able to live... You know, there's, like, plenty, overwhelming amount of stories of people, like, finally, like, Marines in the Pacific, like, finally pulling a trigger against a Japanese soldier in close combat, and then, like, in silence, like, throwing up on themselves, sure. and fucking just, like, losing their mind, and, like, totally. you know, becoming hardened. It's, like, they're trained, and those guys are, like, you know, the crack commanders of the country. They're, like, trained to fucking in condition to be able to do that kind of stuff, and still almost unable, and when they come back... Damaged. Yeah, totally. After doing emotionally that, emotionally wrecked. Yeah, they yeah. have to be rehabilitated after doing that. So it's like, you know, to say that you know because this kid had an AR-15, he just went in and fucking moved a bunch of people down, and it was easy because he had a gun. I, that's no. doesn't make any sense. It, like, it does. It, the argument falls apart. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah, it's you know he's. He, I, I can't fathom how. Well, that, that just ties into, like, everyone's, you know, their idea that the quick fix to things these days is to actually spending time and figuring out, like, what, as a kid, you know, you know, this kid has problems with concentration, so we're going to give him, like, some drug or whatever, instead of, like, maybe putting him, you know, you're going to join a wrestling team or something like that. You change know, his or, diet. Or change his diet, yeah. Time exactly. with that's a yeah. time with kid, you know. What, 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 what were you looking at recently where, uh, was it autism? Like kids that had uh, it's like symptoms of autism yeah, that right. actually had like celiac disease, like celiac disease, or like there were certain uh, um, allergies to certain foods that yeah. they had yeah. and stuff when like that. When I was a, a kid, I had a couple of like uh, just unexplained seizures when I was twelve. So they tested me for um, epilepsy and all the other right. stuff that usually causes seizures, and it came back negative. So. Um, my mom brought me to this doctor who's um, kind of a, he's like a really forward-thinking pediatrician right. that my aunt happened to know because she worked at Yale New Haven where he was based out of. And um, it's interesting at this point in my like sort of self-nutritional experiments um, with paleo-type diets. Right. Um, Looking back on it, one of the things that he recommended to me at 12 or 13 of my family was to try the caveman diet. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially the same type of diet. But back then, it was like 1985 or 6. Yeah. Um, it was definitely, people were thinking about, you know, ancestral health and stuff like that. But it was pretty new. 
And um, so a month ago or so, I ended up looking him up yeah. to see what he's doing. I mean, he, he writes a lot still and gives a lot of addresses, but he's in retirement. But he essentially became famous for treating um, kids with autism by eliminating gluten and casein. Sure. Um, and he's had, like, extreme successes with it. Like, kids who have, like, full-on autism, basically gaining all of their uh, capacity for speech, social interaction. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, it's just one of the things is, like, the enzymes in their stomach weren't able to break down certain proteins, so it actually caused, like, hallucinogenic effects, and some of these kids were just, like, almost tripping. Really? Yeah, yeah. they were just, like, tripping. It's like that sense of, like, kids not being able to look, they, like, the, you know, it's, like, literally a hallucinogenic experience sometimes when you're in the throes of that eye contact with people really, like, uncomfortable. And he was just like, this is what these kids are experiencing, and I was like, whoa. I mean, it's just, I love the fact that I had contact with someone like that at such a young age, too, because I think it opens your mind to think about health in a completely different way, other than, you know, received wisdom about medicating kids. I mean, it was something that my mom was not at all into. She, as a teacher, was not interested in, you know, medicating me in response to stuff like that. Maybe things like attention disorders. It's like, right. maybe my parents, or maybe my child's just bored. You know, maybe she's not going to stimulate at school and she needs other things. So she can find other things. That's like the first thing I would think about, yeah. too. You know, it's just like, you know, what you do with diet and, you know, your own interactions with people and that sort of stuff. It's a huge thing for kids. It's oh, yeah. crazy to think about it. Yeah. I mean, kids you, are fed, even just like the modification I've done with my own diet over the last like year or so, you know, I can see the difference in that, you know. Like I've been getting into like that upgraded coffee, you know, the yeah. I'll try that. I have I I'm down I'm totally that's all I drink, man. I don't even fuck with like other coffee. Yeah. You know, like with the without the mycotoxins and you know, using the <laughs> I definitely mean? buy washed like I definitely buy my coffee according to that guy's standards. Now. Yeah. Yeah, the right elevation and all that kind of yeah. stuff, you know. Does that mean that there's no more, uh, no more of that? What's that stuff that you used to like? <laughs> the, the ace in the hole or whatever? Oh, yeah. Like? Yeah, the, like the, uh, there's like that, oh, yeah. The, it, the sketchy it's little like, of the playing card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you get them at like those weird un, unstaffed like rest areas <laughs> where there's like a machine that gives it's you. It's automatic. Like, yeah, it's an automatic like instant coffee. Like, for whatever reason, I always felt like compelled to drink those on tour. I don't know. I like I like because totally the cups had, had like the ace of spades, like a royal flush on it, and I'm like, oh, this is great, man. You know, this is cool. <laughs> so like, I wanted to you know drink those, and it was just like, but they're terrible. There's like chemicals and stuff. <laughs> but anyway, the, yeah, the MCT, like the coconut oil, grass fed butter, you know, and and that I have, I actually have the straight up bulletproof coffee brand coffee. Yeah. You know, and you blend it all together. I like two cups of coffee a day. That's it. So does it it come with MCT oil and grass-fed, or do you have your own grass-fed? I I, you just buy your own butter, and I I actually use coconut oil. I don't use the MCT oil because MCT oil is just just like it's the same shit except it's actually centrifuge. Yeah, it's like super concentrated, so you need less of it. Gotcha. I can eat a lot of coconut oil though, and I do. Yeah. Well, I, I like you know. I spent a lot of time with Brazilian people, so they're all about coconuts, <laughs> you know, coconut 
water, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Well, it's drooling on his birthday. Maybe we should get her some coconut. Coconut, coconut oil. Coconut. Yeah, I'll get her. Uh, get her some fucking like coconut brazier. <laughs> yeah, chicken like a fucking banana hat, something yeah. like that. She love that. There you go. But yeah, stuff is good. I have it in the morning. I have like two cups, and that's it. I actually don't don't even drink. Like maybe like if I'm getting crazy, like on the weekends or something, I'll have like a cup of coffee at night or something. You know, but no, I'm I'm good. That sets me up for the whole day, man. Yeah, I really want to try that kind of stuff, man. I listen to uh, I listen to. Did listening to Dave, I listened to Dave, Dave Asprey. Dave Asprey, yeah, totally. I listened to his podcast. I thought it was really awesome. Um, the one that he did with uh, John Kiefer, the car backloading guy, mm-hmm. that was pretty interesting too, man. I thought yeah. that was. I thought that was Rob Wolf. Rob Wolf did one with uh, with that guy too. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I've been pretty pretty you know going through that dude's site, you know, the bulletproof site. Yeah, There's a lot of, a lot of good information on there. It's really interesting. When I was listening to, I was listening to something he was talking about, about, um, actually, you know what I've been trying to find, man? I've been trying to find a, uh, a sensory deprivation tank. In the oh, gee, yeah. Oh, dude, um, there's, yeah, there, there's a few, actually. Have you been to one yet? No, not yet. I want to try that out, too. Yeah, I really want to go. Yeah. I think on one of my days off, I just want to use it just for, to relax, one, because I work like 70 days, 70 days. 70 hours a week now, yeah. which is fucking soul-destroying. Yeah, it's a lot of hours. Work, right? You know, six hours, or six days a week. And, it's, you know, it just starts to become a bit much. So the one day off, I was like, man, maybe I should try to finally do one of these, like, sense-step tanks. Sure, man. And go in there and just kind of, like, recover, not just from work, but from, like, training as well. So physically and mentally, yeah. just go in there and just kind of shut off for an hour. Just, like, really, like, cool out. Yeah, there's like a pretty well-known spot in the city. For whatever reason, I can't remember the name. But I looked into it, and it's like ninety dollars or something like that. It's not even that much money to do it for an hour. Yeah, I think. Oh man, Gavin told me about one too. And I always forget. And I, I always seem to bring it up to I'm like, "Are you about any century, century deprivation taxes?" Like, oh, no, I told you. <laughs> yeah, you did. So, so one of the times he's like, he's like, "Let me guess, Carson's talking about century deprivation taxes." <laughs> you know, I just keep going on about it. I really want to try one. Yeah. yeah, I really want to go with Toronto. Montreal used to go into those all the time. Like, I, there's one near where Mark lives. Really? It's a couple blocks from, there's a whole huge building, it's called like Ovum or something. It's got a very Ovum. Like, well, the first time I ever even heard one of those was when I saw the film Altered States. Oh, dude, I, yeah. I own a copy of it. It's <laughs> right there. That's yeah. all I think of. Actually, right. so yeah. when you're talking about chilling out in there, I'm like, well, whenever I bring it up, that's <laughs> automatically what people say, too. They're like, look, Altered States? Yeah, but also, he did, like, all these hallucinogens before he went in there, yeah. too. And he also I mean, that's not going to happen to you. You're not going to come and turn <laughs> some hominids <laughs> and jump out <laughs> with some fucking, you know, missing link or something like that, you know? <laughs> that's pretty fucking excellent. I think it's about time for me to, to uh, revisit that film. Actually, have you seen any good films lately? Uh, I saw a few, man. Uh, well, you know, the final uh, Christopher Nolan uh, Batman Dark Knight thing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so that's what I thought. I fucking loved so it. I have, I have the, the Blu-ray right there. Yeah. The box set. And also the, the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. And uh, actually, I use uh, some of that music for my intro to this podcast. Oh, nice. Lately, I've been using you know a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought it was great, man. And you know what? You know what my favorite part about that film was? Tom Hardy. Oh, dude, Tom Hardy 
killed it in that movie. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, I didn't know it was him. Okay, this is this is my thing. She's going to laugh. And uh, many other friends. And this is the thing. When I bring up Tom Hardy, every dude that I know is like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, Paul Costas at the gym loves Tom Hardy. Jimmy Hubbard. Yeah. Loves Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom Super. Loves Tom Hardy. Yeah. Mike Wilson loves Tom Hardy. Yeah. Mike Hill. Seems to love Tom Hardy. Yeah, he's a good, he's, he's a solid actor, and he's just like he seems like a cool guy. You know what I mean? Well, my favorite my favorite part about him was, was when, so when I saw that film, I I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's like, you know, for having a, like a mask on and conveying all this emotion with his eyes, he's a fucking he's a pretty good actor. Oh and yeah, he's Jack. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, he also not only is he Jack, but he look, he knows how to fight too. Yeah. He's like, uh, there's another, there's a film called Warrior. Just watch it. Like yeah. That. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, you know, he's got, he's got some skills, man. So, yeah, he was, a, he was a badass in that movie. But yeah. the thing is, I saw him, and I didn't, I saw that afterwards, so I knew it was him. But I had seen Bronson, yeah, and I was Bronson, like, right. but I didn't, I didn't even realize he was him. Yeah. I was like, this guy's, I didn't get connected at all. Yeah. And then, what else did I see that he was in? And I was like, holy fuck, Inception. He was in Inception. Yeah, that's in right. Inception, yeah. That's another one that he was in. He was in Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that actually. Yeah. And also and that uh, Lawless. Law, with the Lawless. Lawless. Yeah. That was a great film. Yeah. That was probably one of the best I've seen in a long time. And yeah, he was in. Uh, he was in Saving Private Ryan. No, uh, Brandon Brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember. A small camera. I don't remember. I didn't remember. It was, like a, it was a small... That, the sweet guy is in that, the Swedish dude. Someone was telling me you got to see Wuthering Heights. Is he in it? Yeah. <laughs> he's a fucking Heathcliff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. And they're like, oh, if he loves Tom Hardy, he's got to see it. Well, I, I sure do. Yeah. There's, Just there's a movie I saw called Red, White, and Blue, which is, um... It was in, like, Rue Morgue's 100 must-see independent horror films. But it's, like, not really a horror film. It has more to do with, like, this dude dealing with, like, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And, like, it's, like, a deep characterization film that just happens to have an incredibly brutal ending. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a horror movie. I mean, it's loosely, it, you know, if you, like, went to the horror section, it would be in there. But I don't consider it a horror film. It's, like, the first half of the movie is all characterization. And it's all, like interpersonal relationships and character development and then just shit just goes wrong man. and then it's just like brutality yeah and the murderer looks like John Beasley sort of like the guy <laughs> the guy who's like you know the, the I, I wouldn't even say he's an antagonist in the film I would say he's more like the protagonist you know, hmm. the, the, you know post-traumatic stress syndrome guy yeah you know he looks like a little bit like John Beasley sort of you know. I don't know what it is I have such a hard time watching films like that like brutal movies, but you guys were you and Andrew were like super into horror films. I was never able to get into them. Kind of, I mean, more like the like the classic like Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff like that yeah. I could get into. But like the really intense like some of that shit you guys watched was fucking pretty wild, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's not for everyone. No, you know, like the a Serbian film, and, you know, martyrs yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, totally. I'm a, I myself am looking forward to the uh, season three of Game of Thrones. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's my shit. Hell yeah. My shit. And also the last, they're coming into the last season of, um, of Breaking Bad, too. Dude, we fell off. We fell off like one or two seasons ago. It's all, it's all on Netflix anyway, yeah. so. Yeah. When I first, I, I was like, ah, Game of Thrones, I don't know. 
No, dude. Yeah. No, I know. And I got I got tattooed by Hooper one day, so I had the day off work, and I got home early, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna check this out. So I just found the site, and I streamed it. She was actually going to go out with one of her coworkers that night for dinner, and then we're gonna stay off a little bit and have a couple cocktails or martinis, or whatever the fuck you guys are doing. So I started watching, and I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, what the I'm really into yeah, this. Yeah, dude, that little midget guy's getting his dick sucked, and there's yeah. fucking people getting their heads cut off and dismembered and shit. Yeah, all sorts awesome. of shit like that, man. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And all of a sudden, like, I had this birthday bottle of scotch on top of my fridge, so I cracked into it, and I threw a couple ice cubes in, and I laid down, and I was like, ooh, this is fucking awesome. All of a sudden, it was like nine episodes later. She comes home. And I'm just totally, I'm like fucking cooking eggs. I'm like, you gotta watch the show. His hair's all long. He's got a beard. <laughs> There's some like prostitute you know, prostitute in the house. Yeah, so I became totally obsessed. And then when the second season came around, we started having these like get-togethers at different people's houses. We successfully did it every single night. We did. Every single Sunday. There was like some random, like I, I would buy like yeah. beef hearts and pan sear and with, like cool. blood yeah, and red wine sauce. Yeah, there's actually, I think it's a, it's called a cookbook of thrones. Really? Yeah, it's coming out. And then, uh, I think Omegang Brewery is making, I think, it's called, like, I forget the name of the beer, but they're making a, I think a Blondale or something like that. It's called, like, you know, Beer of Thrones or something like that. It's definitely the most metal show on television, man, yeah. for sure. In history, I think yeah. it's like, the scope of that fucking pro- that that show is is so it's huge. So yeah, yeah. The writing is so good. Yeah, it's awesome. So I'm pretty amped for uh, for season three on that. That's yeah. coming up like next month or March or something like that. Next March. month, right? No, March. March, yeah, March twenty yeah. first. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Definitely. Oh. Yeah, I actually buy I buy that shit on I, I buy the download on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. I have like a legit download of those things. Yeah, I usually just use Graham's mom's uh, <laughs> HBO Go. Well, that's a good way to do it, man. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good program. I fucking love it, man. It, so that's, like, super fun to watch. Watch it. You ever see that show Surviving the Cut? Oh, yeah. That's totally, man. That's that's in my Netflix queue. Yeah, that's a good one. Down with that. I like watching that. You know, and, and of course, I like Walking Dead, but, you know, yeah. probably not, not something that's... No, I liked, uh, I liked the first... I watched the first season... I fell off again. It's like one of those things yeah. that just kind of, you know, I dropped off. It's out there, man. Pick yeah. it up anytime. It's working. It's like working so much and also now training. It's like your window for stuff like that gets really small. You have like one day off and you're like, what am I going to do with my like, one day off? Yeah, you got to jam everything in. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah, again, I get sucked down in the rabbit hole of the fucking internet. I can't pull myself out to leave the house. <laughs> You know, I'm like, chores, this is bullshit, man. Grocery shopping, fucking laundry, no way. Yeah. Well, I you was, yeah, I'm trying to laundry out, man. I'm lazy that way. I used to, and then I started getting concerned that the ladies, from going in there too many times, I started getting a little paranoid. They're going to be like, oh, that's the guy with the dirty socks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, they're all that. dirty because they're bringing them in there. Well, I know, but like, you know, you know I don't know. It just made me feel weird. Because I know what it's like, if you compare it to like a restaurant, so you're like, oh, it's this fucking guy again. The guy with the oh, yeah. The fucking annoying guy with the, with the stupid walk and the fucking, the needy, the needy, the needy like, yeah, the guy with the Uggs and the fucking, yeah, there was this guy at Brooklyn Label. I mean, God damn it. Have you been in there recently? No, I haven't been anywhere. Dude, I haven't been to Greenpoint in forever. The configuration of the 
restaurant is actually different now. I heard that he just like threw up a wall, like drywall, and there's like random pictures, and he's got. They moved the uh, like the counter where you got get coffee. It's all like in that middle island now. Really? It's weird. It's I don't like it. And, and also, coffee there is two dollars and seventy five cents now for large. And you spend like money there, like you're buying organic food, and it's just like regular. Yeah. Stuff, man. It's, it's the worst. It's, subpar. it's, not yeah. it's the worst kind of shit you can get. My friend Miles, the, he uh, he owns Lady J's and the, the Oak and Iron, the bar across oh, the street. Yeah. And he was telling me that, and he used to come in. Just, he, we used, he used to come in, hang out, because I hook him up all the time. Like, sure. Fucking like give him the fucking give him a cut, you know what I mean? That yeah, kind of right. deal. And uh, he, I saw him a couple months ago, and he was telling me he went in there, and he got like a turkey and avocado sandwich, and it was like. Went back to the bar to eat it, you know, before opening. It was like, fuck. He just like gets up and walks walks back across. He's like, he's like, what the fuck is this, man? And he's like, oh well, it's our turkey. He's like, no, goddamn it, this, there's fucking no turkey in here. He's like, well, we do hand roast it ourselves. He's like, motherfucker, you should be roasting it yourself. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. It's like some botched job. I used to see the food they got in there. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. It used to, you know, back in the halcyon days of uh, you know Cody running the show. Exactly. The food was great. I mean, you know, you got your feelings. Shit. You got your feelings about that, man. But I, I wouldn't pass, man. Yeah, yeah. man. You let it go. Forgive and forget. Totally. <laughs> well, no. The fact is, yeah. like, regardless of his lifestyle or whatever, he actually had a good idea and he made it. A well, he's reality. a legit chef. Yeah. And this this guy. And is he no cares about guy. food. I'll say you want the guy can cook. Yeah, we'll say that. And you know, whatever that place sucks, but I met both of you from yeah. working there. That's right. Kind of totally crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I get a kick out of that whole fucking that scene over there. Yeah, I don't. The food there, I don't fuck with it. <laughs> I don't even get coffee there anymore, man. It's too goddamn expensive. I just make it here. You know. That's probably I'm a good really bet. Glad that I've given up that habit of buying coffee outside because I feel like my coffee. Spending so much less money in the coffee that I get is so much better. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to try? I'm gonna get a bag of that bulletproof coffee. Yeah, I'd like to try it. Yeah. You should go go after it, man. Definitely. It's I think good. I will. You got to go the whole distance with the the oil. Either you know, go with either coconut oil or the MCT oil. Yeah. And uh, the butter. It's I'm delicious. down with that. It's delicious, dude. I'll get my mm-hmm. butter fix in my coffee. I've been putting coconut milk in my coffee just because. I've cut everything out, like, for the last month I've been doing this whole 30. So, there's no no dairy at all, no grains at all, no legumes at all, no, like, processed seed oils or anything like that. So I've been playing around with a lot of coconut oil and, like, coconut products. I feel like I'm, I'm maybe, I'm having a lot, a little too much. But coconut oil, I, I love it. That's good. So do you blend it, like, with a little blender? Or I have a Blendtec, one of those Blendtec blenders. Oh, you got one of those? Yeah, man. Damn, dude, you got the whole fucking... It went big, man. Yeah, you're, like, living all the stuff I ever live on. All the gadgets that I'm into, yeah. man. The yeah. Blendtec blender. It's it's pretty stellar. Like, I make all my juices with it, and I throw the blend, the, the you know, the oil and the butter and the coffee in there. Oh, that thing is savage, man. Yeah. It's like, it'll... Fuck anything up and turn it into a paste. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you you brew the coffee and then you mix it all up. Yeah, you make the coffee. You, you know, you, I have a, you, know, you you take the beans and you 
you know, you grind the beans, do your thing with the beans, you make the coffee. Yeah. Then you put it, you put it in the, the, you know, the blender, you add some oil, and you add some butter, and you blend it. And it's, and it's forms like an emulsion. Yeah, it's like, like, it's the same sort of like tan color that, you know, that you would get with like just putting milk in it, like a latte or something like that. You know. You just pound that. Yeah, just drink that. It's good, man. Huh. Yeah, feel great. Fuck. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah, I was doing it for a while, but I wasn't blending it. So I was, like, essentially just, yeah, like... Oil, raising yeah. oil. Oh, uh, it's just, like, all separated and everything? Yeah, yeah it's not like, good, I was, like, fuck man. it. I don't care. I'm getting it. Yeah. It definitely wasn't pleasurable. No, it tastes good this way, man. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to go that, that heavy on the oil. Because some, some people, gastrically, they have problems with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty adapted to coconut oil. Well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, it's, like... It's not cheap, man. You know, this coffee's a little expensive, but it's not cheap getting a pound of uh, Stumptown either, man. No, yeah. You know, who knows what the fuck you get in there. A lot, a lot of stuff I do isn't cheap, man, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I actually contacted Stumptown, I emailed them, and I said, I gave them the parameters that Dave Asbury set for his coffee, and I went, yeah. what brand should I get that, should I get? So it was like the, they gave me the name. And those motherfuckers at Brooklyn Label stopped carrying that. Like, I got two or three pounds of that shit. And then I went back, and they just, they don't have them. They just have, like, the hairbender now, which is a blend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they want, he, he's... It's no dice, right? The rain's in the wall. Origin bean that's been washed. Wet processed, yeah. Instead of, you know, the lay them out. Like, there's a lot of places Fermented. that are local now that will actually, like, that's what I bought uh, yesterday. It was, like, this gorilla one that, like, lists there. Processing, list the elevation at which it's grown and stuff, which is very cool. Yeah. Oh, man, they're very cool. She could be a model of my cat. Yeah. She's almost two years old. She's so little. She's very little. She's stuffy. Yeah. She gets a lot of exercise. I have one of those bird, you know, string toys. She's, like, way into that. She's, like, terrified if that thing was, like, 50 times bigger. I think about that all the time, man. (laughs) If that cat was, like, 100 pounds, like, she would just fuck me up, man. Yeah. She'd pounce on you, like, soundlessly. Yeah. The cool animal. Well, we've been going for a long time, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming by tonight. And, uh, yeah, man. It's good seeing you all. It was fun. Cool. I'm